This podcast was created in association with Brescia University College, Canada's only women's university, preparing students to lead by engaging the world through wisdom, justice, and compassion. Every day and every moment of our lives brings another step on the path that is the journey. Points of intersect in the piazzas of our lives. A chance to encounter others who will also impact our journey. As we enter into this time together, let's look at the ways we are each piazzas, places of gathering that can make a difference around the globe. We are open. We are gracious. We are hospitable. We are engaged in the world. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. It's a beautiful day here in London, Ontario, Canada. We hope you are enjoying yours wherever you are. We welcome you back to another episode of our monthly sharing of the Journey's Gift podcast. The Journey's Gift is a virtual space where we explore our place in the world, finding light along the way, and we look forward to the time we spend with you in this monthly conversation. Today, we continue to welcome guest host, co-host Grace Estrada. It is our responsibility to give thanks and respect to those who first occupied this land whereupon and to acknowledge the kinship of all creation and peoples. The Journey's Gift podcast is recorded upon the traditional lands of the Anishinaabek, the Haudenosaunee, the Lenapewak, and Atawandaran peoples. These lands are connected with the London Township and Sombra Treaties of 1786 and the Dish with One Spoon Covenant Wampum. This land continues to be home to diverse Indigenous peoples, First Nations, Métis, and Inuit, whom we recognize as contemporary stewards of the land and vital contributors of our society. We are thankful for the gifts of the people of the land. May we be of good mind to reconcile the mistreatment of this land and those who have been displaced. We're excited for another opportunity to gather with you, our listeners, tuning in around the globe. We're sending love and gratitude to Brescia University College, a place we all call home. We're grateful to Campus Ministry and the International Department for this support of this monthly podcast. We are grateful for many gifts, especially this monthly podcast that links us with all of you. I am Grace Estrada, a fourth-year international student in community development. And I'm Jean Bagheri, a fourth-year student in community development. I'm Lissette Ochoa, International Program Coordinator and Special Advisor to the President on Diversity and Inclusion. And I'm Catherine Ann George, Director of Campus Ministry, working on mission at Brescia. And together, we are the journey's gift. We always open our program with a global shout out, community issues, and sharing of gifts through the gratitude. We're celebrating the Feast of St. Angela Marici on campus and around the world and her company of 28 women who together founded the Ursulines and a new way of being for women in the world. Angela said to be like a piazza, open, hospitable, and engaged in the world. She also said to build community wherever you go, to keep up your courage, and to persevere faithfully and joyfully. Nearly 500 years later, her wisdom still has much to teach us in these complex times. In what ways can we work to build community and to support one another in growth? 
To explore some of these ways, we're excited to welcome lifelong learner and educator, Ursuline's sister, Dr. Marie-Anne Kenville to this journey's gift to share her experiences and transitions, change and conversions, and helping people grow as they explore an infinite potential. And to continue unwrapping a piece of the gift with you, our listeners. As we move through this time, we want to instill a sense of the gift of every person that we need to love and appreciate one another as we share our stories, people's stories, community stories, and how we find light on the journey. But first, it's time for our global greeting. As we unwrap another piece of our global gift, we highlight the global situation in Yemen um, that's currently happening uh, with the large amounts of poverty around the whole entire country. And I want to give a shout out to global activists who are highlighting the stories of Yemeni's people and who are taking the time to highlight the issues that the media does not center. I'd like to highlight the um, the tension that's rising between uh, Ukraine and Russia at the Ukrainian border and that um, we keep them in our prayers. I would like to send a big shout out to the people of the South Pacific uh, country of Tonga, who in recent uh, weeks uh, experienced the eruption of a nearby uh, volcano in the South Pacific, and then they were affected by a tsunami. May they have all the resilience and force to to gather their thoughts and build uh, their country and villages together. So... As you say that too, and and what it is as um, people deal with trauma and crisis over a long period of time, I'm thinking of the people of Kentucky and the United States. There's so many things in the U.S., but as uh, media shifts and and new stories rise and things happen elsewhere around the world, um, the people in Kentucky are still impacted by the tornadoes that happened there by rebuilding and right near, like as close as our Brescia and Chatham are, is the distance between that epicenter and Brescia University in Kentucky. So kind of a sister um, university for us. And so just um, a real big shout out to those people and some of whom we we work with in um, international conversation. So I'd also like to ask then, Sister Marianne, if there's a place in the world that you'd like to highlight. I think <clears throat> I think it would be uh, Ukraine. Yes. So I think uh, Jean spoke well about that. So and ex- it is very difficult. And 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 I guess the the thing I would might add is that right now. It looks like an impossible situation, but I would like to stay with the hope that it will emerge into something possible. I really like that. That ties in very much to to when we do these shout outs, thinking about people who are engaged in the world and how important it is to have openness and authentic hospitality and welcome for all people and to find a way through these challenges. So thank you for sharing that. Thank you. 
Each episode will seek to highlight a different area or aspect of the world as part of our greeting. We hope you'll send us your thoughts and ideas as we get to know one another in this virtual space. Listeners can send us shout outs by emailing thejourneysgift at uwo.ca. As we spotlight current issues today, uh, I'm thinking of our first year main campus students who are still online while the rest of us return to campus and that we, um, we remember what, what mental health is and um, to be there to support to support the first year students. I'm thinking about the ongoing pandemic and the impact that it is still having in the world. Uh, I'm thinking of the people who have been triple vaccinated, but they are still getting the disease. Uh, and also the countries that haven't been able to get access to vaccination. I'm personally thinking, uh, I'm centering my thoughts around local issues. So I'm thinking about the housing crisis here in Ontario. Um, and I should say in Canada as a whole, actually. Um, and then I'm also thinking of how we're preparing for our ballot talk day at Brescia um, coming up this week. I'm, I'm excited at exploring all the wonderful activities uh, that we have for students, including a seminar. So just echoing what, what Jean had mentioned, that mental health is very, very important. Well, and in the midst of that, I think it uh, uh, ties in as well as I've been thinking of competing demands of how many different directions, the different responsibilities we have, and how um, even between people on, on campus or who are working, some feel like they have so much time on their hands and others are just, there's, it's hard to find where all the minutes are coming from. And so I'm especially thinking of the ones who are, um, rather than trying to balance things, I heard a term this week of trying to blend things. So how do we blend together all these competing demands and, and um, responses that are needed from us in the midst of them? I'd like to ask Sister Marianne if you have any um, issues that you'd like to highlight, any, anything really that deserves our attention um, that we can think about. Well, I can just start by my own situation. Uh, just a week ago, I came out of two weeks of isolation. So I couldn't move out of this room, couldn't go out, and nobody could come in. But I had AI, you know, dear uh, computer. And it did play tricks on me that one time. But then I was able to always come back and do a little bit more research or simply ponder, and life keeps moving. Thank you very much, Sister Maria. And you're very right there. Life keeps moving. And you actually tied together beautifully something that's so important to us um, on the journey's gift, looking at something that was a challenge, so being in, in isolation. But then also you talked about a gift about AI and how AI helped you through that isolation. So um, as, we as we talk about these issues that we're facing, um, these things that make a difference are so important. So I just want to invite each one of us to share something along that same lines that's really brought us hope and been a gift amidst all these challenges. Well, coming off what Sister Marianne just said, um, 
I also feel very grateful for the communications technologies that we have available because thanks to them, we are able to stay connected to those we love the most, even if we are miles away. So Zoom technologies, uh, FaceTime, I'm very grateful for this technology that gets us together. And I'm grateful for um, the gifts of the Holy Spirit, particularly patience and faithfulness, because hope is not very easy to understand. But if you have a little bit of faith, even a little bit of faith, you have hope. I love that, Jean. Um, I would love to celebrate our students. They keep me going. I love our students at Russia and also um, finding the creator in the work I do, um, the work we do. Um, so I, I love putting um, beliefs into practice and not just putting them symbolically into words. I like to put them into practice. So I try to find ways of where there's that opportunity. Um, and I think the students and people we work with at Brescia motivate me a lot to do that. So they are my gift I'd like to celebrate today. And for me, it, it ties into that a little, is that, but exciting initiatives, um, generosity, the community support and reach out. Um, for me right now, finding ways to give tangible hugs when we can't really physically hug one another. like. I'm grateful for creativity amidst very challenging situations. Sister Marianne, do you have something you are grateful about, a gift from this week or the day? Well, for today, I would say right now that my dear computer came back on after getting off three times. (laughs) And I'm just sort of depending that it will keep on going. That's, it sounds like such a minor thing, but it's between that or it might not be here. <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much for sharing. Sister Marie Anne is 93 years old and still teaching, even in isolation. In fact, <laughs> the only break, break she has ever had from teaching was over 50 years ago when she went through graduate school at the age of 40. And then when she, was, when she was told at 65 that she must retire and could no longer teach formally, she went back and got more education and training and has been teaching workshops and online classes since then for the last 30 years now. Sister Marianne is focused on the gift of transition and conversion to help people grow as they find the way, their way through challenges and the many shifts and turns of life and on the power of spirituality with infinite potential. Sister Marie-Anne is here to share how we can grow personally and spiritually while making a difference for others and connecting to the world at non-local and mystical levels. Sister Marie-Anne, we welcome you. We're honored to have you here. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Yes, I'm going to try and and start and stay. Did you want to speak, Grace? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, I just was going to uh, invite you because we're excited to begin unpacking a little of your life's journey. And oh, yeah. uh, I know that this will inspire our listeners a lot. So can you please share a little of what's important to you, your interests, and what brought you to teaching and to the Yurslins? Yes. Yeah. Well, I, I think 
The best way to start, since I've been, as you heard, an online educator, uh, is to go back to uh, my own family area. I was, I, I grew up in a small village, and uh, and we had a, a great school taught by the Ursulines, a bilingual school, French and English, and but we only had up to grade ten. And after grade 10, that just was, it was like a dead end, okay? And I was the third in the family, and the three before me all stopped after grade 10. And it was just as if it was a fait accompli, you know? And I just uh, had been mulling over this, and how could I possibly be able to continue my high school? And uh, one day I had the sort of the the Zoom or whatever it, I needed to come to my teacher sitting at her desk at that point, and I said, "I'd really like to talk to you." And she said, "Go do it." I said, "No, you're going to be going away, and that will be I, I won't have any place to go to." And she said, for what? I said, to continue my high school. And she said, oh, you want to go to school? I said, do I ever? And then she said, hmm, you write to so-and-so and tell them, tell her your story. And the so-and-so was the sister in charge at the Pines, our Ursuline mother house at the time. So I wrote my letter. And it came back, but it went to this particular sister. Uh, Mother Eleanor was her name. And uh, the sister said, oh, you could come to the Pines. And you could be with us. And you can get your grades 11 and 12. And so it was like the heavens opened. <laughs> and I did. I, I left home. Uh, but in the meantime, there was another thing. My younger brother next to me, Paul, had been, uh, uh, how do I say, solicited in a way. Uh, the priests, the Francophone priests of the area, were looking for the young men who could become priests and, of course, be Francophones. And so they arranged for them uh, to fill a, a whole CNR wagon full of young boys, and they would either go to Ottawa or to Sudbury to get their whole high school. So they left from grade nine up to grade 12. And of course, I knew about that, and I knew that my young brother was going to be going to school. But at this point, I was going to school as well. And since the, we were a big family, the big thing was, how was I going to be able to, you know, to, from my family to finance it? Anyway, that was all answered. But, okay, I did grade 11, I did grade 12, and the month, uh, for Mother's Day, I had my picture taken, went home, and gave my mother this picture of myself, and she looked at it and said, wow, and she said, 
well, what's the big idea? I said, well, they've accepted me. I'm going to enter. And so and I said, I thought I'd leave you this. So you know what I was like before I entered. And this was, uh, I, actually, I had one week to prepare after coming back from boarding school and to leave again. I was to leave, I was to enter on June 24th, but it turned out to be the 23rd because they, there were others coming in and they wanted me to be one of the first because I had been a boarder there. So that's how it all started. I had my high school. So I entered not knowing where I would be next or what would happen. Anyway, as you know, here I am today, having had the, the, the great privilege of going through not only a baccalaureate, you know, but graduate school and being able to teach in a graduate school where I had seminarians and helped them to prepare for their pastoral work. But there's, there's all kinds of things that have happened. And yes, uh, I, was, I taught at Brescia for 15 years. And that was after I had already taught uh, 24 years, I believe, in grade schools and been a, a principal. So, but I had skipped high school. So I went from grade eight and, and, and kindergarten all the way to university. <laughs> that was fun. <laughs> and I had a great time. Actually, I was a dawn on the, well, at that time, it was third MRW, and the MRW no longer exists. Yes. So, um, uh, yes, I skipped over all my... No, I, I think when you're saying that, to, I'm hearing too, uh, like students reached out to you even recently from like recent... Um, you had some communications out there and there were some Brescia alumni, like students who had known you on the floors who even reached out to connect yeah. with you. Yes, I, I was kind of touched by that. I think because they, they saw my little interview on Facebook and they wrote, I still haven't seen that, but Noreen made me aware of it. <laughs> but it was good because that, uh, you know, I, I, being that I was gone on that third floor, uh, I never knew when somebody would be knocking at my door. And I remember one night opening my door because it seemed a little louder than usual. And uh, one, two girls were sort of dragging the third one. And uh, I looked at them and they looked at me and they said, oh, sister, she's just, uh, what's the expression? She had had a drink too much anyway, uh, but the expression now, I lost it. And I said, oh, that all? That's all. I said, okay, go to bed. And they said, well, it might be a little noisy for a while. <laughs> anyway, and I had another, uh, this was a, a little older student in a sense, because she had moved out, and but she... She had lost her mother when she was just barely seven. And, you know, that was about likely in her second or third year at Brescia. 
and uh, she would want me she would want to come and talk to me but she did she knew she couldn't get in anywhere so she would throw a snowball to my window she knew where i was and then i would look out and she'd say come and open the door so i would go downstairs and let her in and she would come in and of course she'd be have a kind of a sob story and she'd sit down and i'd give her a blanket to wrap herself and go to it and then she'd say oh i'm all right now bye i said be careful of the door down there yes sister i'll close it <laughs> anyway that that happened many times and she's still a very very good friend and i'm the i'm the godmother of her three daughters <laughs> oh. yes yes and yes yeah. Thank you Beautiful so much. For yeah. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. Um, I have a question as well. Um, you have faced many transitions in your life from teaching to graduate school to being faculty at Brescia and at St. Paul's University in Ottawa to your online teaching now and even still at the age of 93. It's just amazing. <laughs> Through all these years, you have had a passion for lifelong teaching and learning and supporting others in their growth. What can we learn about how to navigate these transitions and move to where we are being called? And how can we find the ways to use our gifts? Yes. Um, I, I just have to just thank the Lord that I had this this great inner urge to keep on learning. And I, I never seemed to have enough. But, you know, it was, uh, I didn't burn in anybody else with them, but it was just my own inner sort of wanting to know more. And sort of being just wow, when I would find something new or something that I felt would help others. And it wasn't uh, so much that I needed to teach it. For me, it was sharing it and helping people to understand that this would just sort of bring another glow into one's life. Yeah, and that, that's what it was all about. Yes. Learning and passing it on. Mm-hmm. When- I heard too, um, just how much you kept going. Like when there was an, an obstacle, like being told, oh, you're 65, you can't, you can't teach anymore. Well, you just found another way to keep going. And, and, um, nearly 30 years later now here, here you are still doing that. So, um, yeah. And I loved that yes. point. You, you said to me that the, it's just to help people grow, period. And you also mm-hmm. had talked about growing spiritually and maybe mm-hmm. how important that was. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, actually, uh, I had been teaching in Ottawa at St. Paul's. So that was there. And I had already, even when I was at Brescia, had started giving weekend workshops. They would fly me out to Montreal or wherever, and I'd be back home working at Russia next week. Now, I didn't do that every weekend, but because they might have wondered about me. 
But it, it was just out of the beginning. So when I found out that, you know, that it was, that was really the end, I thought something inside of me just said, wow. And I thought, I'm going over to Montreal, over, you know, just two hours over from Ottawa. So out I went. And, uh, and since the oblates at uh, a center they had in, in Montreal was called Le Centre Saint-Pierre, so St. Peter's Center. And I had been there many times. So I went and told them that I was moving to Montreal. And they said, you are? I said, yes. He said, wow, okay. When do you want to start to work? I said, oh, I'm ready. <laughs> so anyway, to make a, a long story short, that's how it started. So I had my own school, as it were, you know, and I, I, I arranged it in such a way that, uh, well, it, was, it would be easy enough to get going. So I, they just said, well, maybe you need a little time. Oh, I said, yes, but I already had a, a sabbatical where I had gone to California, New York, and got extra nice little uh, helps that would help me to sort of uh, popularize, in a way, uh, what I could share with people. But it was mostly with adults, yes, people who were already wanting more. And I love that spirit of wanting more. So I worked there, oh gosh, quite a few years. And depending on what they wanted, they would tell me, do you know about this kind of work? Oh, I think I started doing journaling with them. And journaling, really, it just flew off. They just loved it. Because journaling is one way of starting, really, a tour of uh, spirituality. And that is, first of all, to get to know yourself. And, and the journaling technique that I followed was, well, I had learned that in New York with uh, a great man that right now I'm losing his, his name. But he, I sort of found out in an indirect way that he had possibly had something to do or had been touched by, uh, oh gosh, I'm losing it. No, not quite. Um, you know, all these Germans that died. Oh, in the Holocaust. The Holocaust. And mm -hmm. he had been sort of touched intimately by that. And, mm -hmm. uh, but you know, that's sort of how it started. And people really loved. And the journaling technique that I taught took in so many aspects of life. And, you know, that like we would have certainly a daily journal, but we had what I would call almost like a, a, a period journal, a, a, an aspect where you would work that maybe once in a while, but it wasn't something daily. And it had a special meaning. And then there'd be all kinds for different parts of your life. And a lot of uh, uh, it was journaling, but at the same time, you learn to speak to one part of yourself. And so it was like an insight an inside conversation and for different aspects of one's life. And so that, that was sort of my first, uh, uh, 
And I believe it's almost like one of the first inklings of being spiritual, knowing yourself and building a relationship with yourself so that you sort of recognize yourself when you, whatever, whatever happens. And after that, I went with other things, other uh, approaches. Uh, the Enneagram, oh my God, <laughs> I did so much of that. And of course, that's personality types. And an amazing work, yes. And I, I, I don't know how many years I taught that. And along with that, I had the Myers-Briggs. I'm sure you've heard of that. Mm -hmm. That's just another aspect of, you know, learning about yourself and being able to sort of make use of that in a positive way. And, well, there's so much of that. <laughs> and the last few things I've been doing is uh, I, I did that after I had left uh, even Montreal. And uh, I had a few, oh, yes, I had one of the men who had been taking most of my classes and courses. I asked him if he would like to sort of take my work and continue working with it. Oh, he said, that would be awesome. So I did. I gave him all my courses. I said, the only thing you can do, I said, you can even use my, my workshop notes, just, and I will add at the bottom that it is your right to use those. So he did. And to this day, he still works with me every now and again. <laughs> As a, I'm, I act as a resource person, but actually, you know, he uh, he just went along a lot. Well, she's done, he's done great work with that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's great. As I'm as I'm hearing this too, um, I'm thinking about a question as well that we always ask every every guest we have on the journey's gift that. Um, sometimes in hindsight, we look back, we discover challenges or loss mm -hmm. um, were actually a gift or brought with it other gifts. So really, our our biggest question for you is what is one of the biggest gifts you've received along the way? You've had a long journey. And what's one of the, <laughs> the biggest gifts you've received? Actually, it's, it, I was thinking of that after you called me there. And I, I thought of it as maybe the biggest challenge I've ever had. And that I was not, I was finishing up my thesis, but I still had a while to go because I had already been working at, at Russia because I hadn't been given enough time to really wrap it all up. And lo and behold, my thesis director who was a sister, a clinical psychologist died. And it was like, well, the sky, the sky fell because I hadn't finished. And obviously, uh, the center, I told the, the religious studies department, they were aware of it. And we had a good conversation with them. And uh, they told me that they were going to ask uh, a certain doctor to take me over to finish my work. But he was not a psychologist. He didn't know really my work. And he was an early Christian theologian. 
you know, the very early Christians, the first, you know, maybe 4,000 years of theology. And uh, that's where he, but he was an historian. So he kind of, uh, the only thing that I kind of spruced him up when he heard about my thesis and what I wanted to do, he said, well, it's history. And he said, your topic is kind of, it's very uh, provoking, challenging. Yes, I'll do it. And the gift was that he became even more helpful in a way than Sister Mary Andrew had been. I, I thought he would be far out, but he, he had the academic sort of uh, knowledge and know-how. And he would just sort of stir me on or, you know, call me here. What about that? So I would talk. Oh, he said, great. And then, anyway, it turned out to be an amazing experience. So I had a different man, you know, a different uh, director to finish my work. Yes. Yes. That was a gift. That is and a challenge. That is profound. Yeah. And yeah. I know you had also shared with me and maybe some of what came out of that, that you'd like to help us unpack um, about what you would marvel at or the importance of praying in new ways, the importance of spirituality and going yeah. beyond dogma to what the mystics knew. Um, and yeah. importantly, you shared about non-local infinite potential oh, yeah yes that that's uh one of the new things that i've gotten in more since i i left montreal and came back to southern ontario and uh, i got into science now you know yes that was one area of life that i hadn't really dug into but i did have three maths but I still didn't feel that I was any good in mathematics. And uh, I, I started by doing, I was doing some, uh, uh, I would pick up articles, let's put it this way, from Ilya Dilio, who is a sister, a theologian, and a scientist. And that fascinated me. And I could see it through her articles Anyway, how, and she led me on something that I thought was just amazing. And the part, the thing is, like, if you look at science, what is science? Science is nature. Science is reality. It's not something, you know, that just for certain people. It's what life is about. It's about nature, okay? And then uh, she had presented it one day as you have the book of nature and you have the book of religion. But what comes first? Nature. Huh? You have creation. And then it takes how long before we're even able to respond to what we see, to what we have, to the beauty around us and everything. And so, you know, it, it just, I found it very amazing how she did that. And at one point, I sort of developed both sides of the these two books. And the objective side, or as you might say, uh, the book of nature and reality, and how much, how it has developed. 
And of course, in this last century, it was quantum physics. And of course, that's where it brought me to. And on the other side, the book of religion. Well, you know, uh, we're stuck there in religion. I don't want you to think I'm leaving religion. <laughs> it's just the way that we can sort of miss the boat sometimes. Okay? And of course, that's the subjective aspect of our life. Huh? And uh, But there's something important that happened that in the 13th century, Thomas Aquinas sort of dogmatized all the laws of the church, all the theories of the church. And he's got to forget how many poems in the Summa Theologica. Okay? And then that was the 13th century. So that everything, we knew exactly how to live all these parts of our life. And then in the 14th century, well, the mystics didn't know how to pray anymore. So they started a whole new school of mystics because they couldn't follow all those dogmas. Sound funny? <laughs> <laughs> and would you believe in the 16th century, when Angela Marici founded her company, what did she do? Did she follow the monasteries? No. She did not want to have her women or companions, really, to enter a monastery. She wanted them to be in the world. And she did not even want them to take vows. No vows. So how were they going to be religious? She knew how. And what I marvel is in doing a lot of history and reading is that, you know, uh, some of the monasteries were anything but real monasteries. Because at a certain epoch in life, you know, every, uh, every daughter wanted to be married. But it cost too much to marry them, so the next daughter would be put in the monastery. Mm -hmm. So did they, those girls have a call to be in the monastery? Of course not. But it was like that was the way. So anyway, you can do your own thinking about that, eh? how that went. <laughs> but you see, Angela, somehow, they didn't have cars and everything in the 16th century. But she was in the beginnings of the Renaissance. And it was like she was breathing new life in religious life. And so uh, when she died, there were only about 50, 52 companions in, the, in her group. But then very soon after, uh, uh, Car uh, what's his name? Uh, oh, gosh. Charles Borromeo had these, the Ursulines, he sort of ordered the Ursulines to move into the monastic life. So, you know, and then, of course, to take vows. Now, uh, I, I omitted something there. It didn't mean that Angela didn't want us to be, uh, to have vows. We did. But it was, it was not the way that they had been doing it before in, in, in view of not get being married, okay? 
it was a totally other situation. Yeah. Anyway, uh, the thing that I, I found out not that long ago is that Thomas Aquinas from the 13th century is still officially the leading theologian of the church. Yes, from the 13th century. Okay, the official. But we have Pope Francis, who is what? Aiming to sort of open the windows again, huh? like King, uh, not King, but Pope John XXIII did. Okay, that, you know, it is so difficult. And he, he ha has, a, I think, four women now that he has named with very important roles. So that's a big happening, although we might not be hearing much about it, but it's a big thing, very big one. Anyway, that's just to sort of show you And on the, the book of life. Now we're at the quantum physics. And that's where quantum physics and David Bohm being the one that is possibly the one I certainly have sort of uh, amazed at what he's been able to come up with. Uh, the fact that quantum physics is about the microscopic levels of life. It's what we can't see, what we can't feel in a certain way, and hear or whatever. And through, I'm going to do this very briefly. It's like uh, getting in touch, as you said a while ago. Well, some of the girls at Brescia, I'm sure, come from far away, overseas or wherever. And they can, you know, that's nothing. Of course, today we have all these telephones and great things. But we have learned that we can speak, communicate with anyone, anywhere in the world. Did you know that? Yes. And that's, it's what you call non-local world. It's non-local. It's not something you can touch or see, but every now and again, something will happen in your life and you will say, well, how, did, how could that have happened? Like about two months ago, uh, uh, a lady became very, very present to me. And I thought, oh, haven't seen her or heard of her or, oh, gosh, it must be 10 years at least. Why is she so close? So I thought, I, I think I'll just use my old uh, email and see if I can get her. So I write her a little email, and she writes right back and says, Ah, I've been looking for you all over. And she says, and you know, I had found you on, on Facebook. I saw your, your interview. So I said, you're alive, but I still couldn't reach you. Of course, I didn't have the same email. I had moved around. And so anyway, I mean, I just had that sort of feeling that someone was trying to get in touch with me. And I get that every now and again, you know, and I kind of have to stop with everything 
And okay, yes, I must connect with that person. And, and, and like this, something is there. That's non-locality. But the rest of our knowledge is the macroscopic world, space, time, gravity, that aspect. And that is, you know, has been, well, the major part of our task or our, our world, what we know. And where does the infinite potential come in? Uh, with that ability that we have. And you know, uh, oh gosh, that has to be about maybe 30 years ago. Maybe that's too much. But I had found a book and uh, in moving, you know, from Ottawa to Montreal and back home and all this, I would give a lot of books away. I gave them to uh, uh, places where they had retreats and things like that because they were good books. And anyway, there was one I couldn't go, let go, and it was called The Field. You ever heard of it? It's not a new book, but it's amazing. It's in a sense about the infinite potential. But it's called The Field, and the field is the field of energy, you know? And it's like waves of energy going around the world and that we can get in touch with or just not know about them. And, and then she wrote a second book. And this lady who wrote this is Lynn McTaggart. Yeah, I still have it up there. It's, um, the second book is called The Intention Experiment. Because, well, if, and this works especially with meditators, and meditators have a way of getting into another zone. And not that we're out or anything, no. It's just that it's not the intellectual mind that is in charge. We can let that go. And in meditation, usually we need an intention to meditate. And so she sort of used that. And she works in contact with all the best scientists around. And, to, and they've done all these experiments and how they've connected with people and others, and do a lot of healing like that, too, when you can connect with someone at a deeper level, okay? Anyway, that's one of the things I meant. But, um, but that that uh, aspect, you know, of uh, the microscopic, it, it's, so, it's so novel, it's so new. It's there, and it's part of nature. And one of the big questions, of course, they often ask is, what is reality? It's the biggest question in the world, you know, and it comes from what is consciousness? You know, we're conscious, we're conscious, but consciousness is another thing. Mm -hmm. Anyway, but I have a, a picture here. It's the, uh, the sculpture of the, uh, the um, quantum cloud. And it was done by an artist. I hope I can, you can see it. My light is not all that good here for some reason. And I just want you to look at it. Uh, is it clear it, yes. enough? Uh, is it clear enough? Yes. So yes. For our listeners, I think we, we would try to find a way to put this up on social media. 
but it looks like an interconnection. Yeah, it looks um so I'm gonna just describe it, Sister Marianne, and maybe let others share something they see. But it looks um it's got like a okay, tree just, type shape, but lots yeah, of I connections. Just want you to look, I just want you to look at it. Okay. And look at it very carefully, but at the same time, you know, not desperately. What are you seeing? It's a person. I see the person too, Lisette. That was in the center. Okay. I see a person. Me and too. where is the person? In the, the middle of chaos. In the middle of a cloud. Inside. On a cloud. Right inside. Yes. Yeah. Inside the height. It looks like swirls of, um, to me, I see like lots of, tr- like, a, well, I also have bad eyes, but I see like tree branches kind of, if you were to look at it but lots and lots of connections, but right in the center where the trunk would be is like a person. Is that right? Okay. Yes. Okay. But what do you think this is trying to say to us? This artist uh, got to know some of the scientists who were working with David Baum, and he was trying to portray one of the basic... uh, (laughs) Light is too strong on me. Uh, basic tenets of uh, quantum physics. And it's sort of uh, allowing ourselves to get to a deeper part of ourselves that we don't know we have or exist. And we do it. And you know, when you're in a, a crisis and you go and see somebody or talk to a friend or whomever or even a therapist and you will go over everything and you've got all the facts and all the facts and everything and you go through it all and nothing gets nothing changes inside you're still all wound up it's not working and the thing that we don't know is that there is that part of us inside that you can't see, but it's there. And we have it inside each of us. She has the answer. It is there. How are we going to reach it? Wow. And that's actually, it's a a form of consciousness. And you can heal just about anything, as long as you understand the process. And actually, one of the other things that I got involved with was focusing. I'm sure you may have heard of focusing, how to get to the, the depth of yourself that you ordinarily can't reach. But this has become even more clear to me now. And the thing is, in life, Uh, whatever happens, like let's say that crisis, and you know exactly what happened. All right, those are the uh, objective aspects of the crisis, or whatever has happened. But what about the subjective aspects of the crisis? What is it you're not seeing? And knows the answer inside. Okay, so David Bohm called it the implicit order, 
rather than the explicit order. When something's wrong, you know exactly, you think you know exactly what's happened. That's the explicit parts of that crisis. The implicit part, implicit, it means that it's inside, but you can't see it. And you can't hear it or touch it. How are you going to get at it? Have I ideas? Yes. My mind I'm is... I'm sure you, you, you've heard of implicit. Yes. Okay, what does it mean? I think it's at the very at the very core, at the very core of who we are. I'm worried to get it wrong if I give a description properly. What what did you say, Lisa? I'm worried to get it wrong. But Catherine Ann said said the definition first. Well, I don't know that I'm I'm suggesting that it could be the implicit is what's at the very core. And it's perhaps something that we might not even realize is there that we can't even, that on some level, we can't even connect. We can connect with it. I think if we take the time to stop and pause and reflect and discern, we'll connect at some level. But it has to be at an interior level. Mm -hmm. And one that really works that we use with focusing was to sort of, you know, you know what it feels like, don't you, when you're in a crisis? Well, if you could even stay with that crisis feeling of that happening, and you're not analyzing it, one good way of doing it would be to compare it. Like, what does that feeling look like or feel like? What could it be compared to? And then all of a sudden, something pops up and it reaches to that core and it's healing. Now, that would take a lot more explanation and everything, but it works. Because we know inside, but we don't know how to reach it. I would love to have future tea discussions. That's what I was thinking. I know. I'm Please. just curious uh, for, for my further education, because in today's world, we could easily challenge those theories, right? So I, I, would, I would love a future like tea or coffee time with you over Zoom just to have further mm-hmm. space. To you know continue what to I've extend. done? Mm-hmm. Where are they? Okay. What I've done for some of the people that I share with, uh, is I've got a, a, a few lists of pages that, and they're all sort of double, eh? like one side, the other side, and uh, but it's just to show that you know we have the sort of the outside that we see and touch and we can, and then the other side that, or like like the macrocosm of the world, and then we have the microcosm, and so I compare these two. And of course, in the macrocosm, you have space, time, gravity, and, and of course, the time. Of course, right now we're in fast time, right? You know, that's what we know about our time. And then the theory of relativity, that is still, again, having to do with space and time, with, again, gravity. And on the other side, 
the microcosm, well, it's subjective and it's touching that part of us that is not explicit. So it's very subtle. It's the part of me I can't really touch or feel or whatever or describe, except that I know what the, the particular happening is doing to me. So, and of course, just looking at the two aspects of nature, uh, you know that the space-time, actually the film for the potent, uh, uh, infinite potential is uh, David walking outside with a, a gentleman, and they're looking at the firmament because it's night. And he asks a simple question, what are you seeing? What are we seeing? And he says, well, vastness and uh, little lights here and there, of course, the stars and whatever. And of course, that's the first big, well, that's what any of us would say. Huh? That's what we're seeing. But it's not a vastness, it's a fullness. It's full of energy. It's full of life. You know, that's, that's the microcosm. And he says, David Bohm even compares a cubic space of all that energy up there is bigger, is more energy than in the whole universe. Wow. Yeah. I tend so for the for our listeners, for Lisette, for I see uh, you know, Grace and Jean, when Sister Marianne and I had our pre-interview just to chat through like, what are the directions where we might go? I said, we are going to need a part two. <laughs> we are going to need to unpack this further. I knew. So, and isn't that the beauty of a life, of a journey that the unpacking is never done, right? Mm -hmm. That's no. the thing. That's the no, thing that's of the nice. journey's gift finding yep. light along yep. the way and that it's never, yep. we never get to where we think we're yep. going those surprises. Yep. So yep. I yep. think, um, I think that we will, we will plan I, to have you. But I have back. to tell you one little thing about the microcosm. Mm -hmm. The thing is there in that area of life, we're all interconnected. Yes. Yes. Not yes. Separate. Mm -hmm. And yeah. I, yes, and I certainly believe you, Sister Marianne, because um, I have felt that, and I know many people that have had these kind of experiences that you have shared, where somehow you know and you you, you get connected with someone, uh, what you just yeah. described, and uh, so I I truly believe uh, about the microcosmos and all those the non locality yeah. that you mentioned and okay. uh, we want to thank you uh so much sister marianne for sharing all these gifts with us your expertise and your insights and for your time with us today um well what i personally take for from this podcast uh well the question is what do i not take from this podcast <laughs> but <laughs> uh many things but especially um the fact that Uh, people may think that we, according to our identities, may have some limits, for example, because of an age, 
but that by no means means by no means has to uh, define who we are, what we can do, and where we can go. So that's the big um, learning piece that I get from this time with you. That we must follow our inner voice, our inner force, and mm-hmm. just uh, mm-hmm. go ahead. There's there's no limit, and it goes perfectly in hand with what we've been talking about quantum physics and infinity so thanks so much for all those lessons and for being so inspiring i'm so happy that that we've had you're very welcome i'm afraid i didn't follow all catherine ann's thing but (laughs) that's okay i get get going i don't know where it's going there is nothing to follow this was we asked we allow the questions to come from your life that's it there is, there is no direction. That's the beauty of this podcast. Yes. And, and, the, and the fact, if I can just add this, you know, that, that hunger I had for finishing my high school. Wow. You know, that I followed that. And I had the guts, in a way, to not copy my three older siblings. Mm-hmm. You know, and I thought, well... They stopped, but why am I not wanting to stop? I don't know. It was in there, you know? Yeah. But in a way, it goes back to that. And, you know, I have that picture that I gave to my mother for her Mother's Day gift before I left. And every now and again, I, you know, if anything gets tough, I talk to her. Yeah. Because of what she knew and I mean. I don't know how she knew of what she, you know, she had me do or follow. And so I'm here. Mm-hmm. That's a great story to tell. That's amazing. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, more than great story to tell. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you so much, Sister Marianne, for sharing your life journey. Um, Thank you, Jean. Through it all, through this time that we've spent with you, what kept coming back to me was um, to keep going. Whatever the challenges, whatever life throws at you, if it's a snowball, whatever it is, uh, you just have to keep going and listening to that inner voice. And uh, for that, I'm truly thankful. And I'll take that with me everywhere I go. I'll just keep going. Thank you. Thank you. Oh, my goodness. What do I not say? Um, just like... <laughs> Grace had said, okay, so I highlighted three things uh, that uh, I feel is a gift for me from from what you've taught me today. Um, Number one is that there are always good good individuals, good-hearted individuals in this world that are going to help you. So that's an encouragement to me that, um, you know, there will always be those allies that support system that will keep you, keep you going. Number two, um, you've shared a couple of your favorite books that you've just, you haven't been able to let go. And the teachings in those books really took me back to recent indigenous knowledge and, and books that I've been reading. Um, one of my favorites I'd like to share with you. Um, maybe I'll buy it for you as a gift for, uh, for thank as a thank you is braiding sweet grass and it's um, indigenous wisdom scientific knowledge 
and the teachings of the plants. And (laughs) what you said to me today really made me think of not just that book, but others uh, with Indigenous knowledge of how we are connected to the natural world, the natural uh, planet. And then the third thing um, I'd like to say is I want to quote something powerful you said. You can heal as long as you understand an issue or, or something that's occurring. And that made me think of the challenges we're currently facing in various areas of the world and how people mm-hmm. don't really center those issues because it's not affecting them. So in your teaching today, you've given me a perspective of how to connect and how to bring people together so that they understand uh, something. Um, Maybe it's not affecting them, but maybe I can give examples of something that may affect them that will link to another person's challenge. So that's my big thank you to you. Um, And I wanted to highlight those three areas. So you're, you've been a blessing for me today. Thank you, Sister Marianne. Thank you. And Sister Marianne, I take away, I think, and, and you didn't get into this, but you can see it on that little Facebook, YouTube video that is out there. But um, you shared an image with me of being in tree branches in the orchard on the farm with your siblings and talking. And so what I, what I take away and what I want our listeners to think about is those simple, simple interactions in life with one another. Mm-hmm. And what I hold on to from what you have shared all the way through this is that, is that infinite, incredible potential that is in each one of us. And if you had just, as you said, stopped at grade 10. It's not that education is the be all and the end all because we keep learning all through life. So whether it's formal education, but what I hear in you and in your whole story that you've shared with us this time is that it didn't matter if you ever had a degree, if you ever had formal teaching, this lifelong learning, this desire to connect, to understand, to eventually move deeper and deeper into the self. And as things were revealed to you, you responded, you kept going. When the direction didn't make sense, you trusted. Your path kept unfolding. And at no long, at no point along the way did you ever say, this journey is done. You said, uh. <laughs> where am I still headed? Where am I supposed to go? What am I supposed to do with this? This new insight comes, this new book comes, a movie with all these things that have impacted your life, the people, the writing the letter, the asking the question. And each step Mm -hmm. along the way, you paid attention, you responded. Mm -hmm. So you really lived like long before you were in Ursuline, you were living contemplation and action. Mm -hmm paying attention to what was happening around you and inside of you and then responding to it. And the important thing in all of that for me is knowing that we are that interconnectedness, Mm -hmm. that energy, 
and you know we talk about divine energy divine wisdom how what by whatever name we call it it's that great powerful thing beyond us that says it's not just about you your whole response in your life has been about others and helping us to grow you've helped so many people to grow and you've helped us to grow and we're so grateful I just want to respond to Lisa, Leah. Uh, I just wanted, because you spoke about the indigenous people, mm -hmm. I want you to know that uh, David, uh, the directors of uh, David Bolt's Up the Infinite Potential are putting out another film, another, yes, a film. Actually, I, I, I bought my the other one and they just sent it to you online. But anyway, the third one is going to be about dialogue. Because that is another aspect of quantum physics. And David Bohm learned that from the indigenous people, the Blackfoot people. Very mm -hmm. interesting. Eh? Yes. Oh, I'm, I'm it, interested in reading that. <laughs> yeah. Up. And another response to Catherine Ann. <laughs> you know, you said about not never giving up. I just want to tell, give you an example of, you know, I, I left everything. And, and it hurt, you know, because mom and dad actually really cried when I said I was going to enter. Uh, not because they didn't want me to, it's just because I was leaving. I'm hearing the impact that when you share 74 years later, you share yeah. that and it's as if it were yesterday and the impact of it and how significant it was in your life. Yeah. And our students need to know that what's happening for them right now and yeah. how they're living through it and walking yeah. through it is going to carry yeah. into life. And who knows right. what they'll be saying 74 years from now. That's right. Some of it will have just gone so far by yeah. the wayside, the designer yeah. dress, the whatever it was they thought they needed, but they'll remember mm -hmm. things like that. Yeah. yeah. Uh, Sister Mar uh, Marianne, uh, we would like to ask you, uh, what do you take? Uh, from this time that you have shared with us, together with us? What's the main thing you take from our time together today? What do I think of it? No, what do you take from this time that we have shared together? It's always a blessing to share with people who are also hungry. Yeah. You are a true revolutionary. I, yeah. I really enjoy it. You know, when I share with, it can't with the people that I work with, I work with. Yeah. I don't say I teach them, even though I give them all the stuff that I work out, you know, and, and I do everything in French for them because most of them are from Quebec still. And, you know, it's just, we just share. And, uh, yes, and it's, I, I always feel I learn more than they do. <laughs> but we all do. You know, I, I can't have the feeling that I know it all. That's, I would lose it all. <laughs> we could not end Thank with you. any more profound words from a lifelong learner and educator. Yes. That is that, right? That, yeah. Thank you. 
It has been truly an amazing afternoon with you, Sister Marianne. And it, oh it reminds me of an African proverb that if you want to go fast, go alone. If you want to go far, go together. And you're, mm-hmm. you're, you've shared with us your life and we will carry it with us and we'll go far. Mm-hmm. We're so grateful that you've had, we've had this time with you, Sister Marie-Anne, and we're grateful to our listeners as well. And, as, and we're excited to continue unwrapping the gift with all of our listeners. We look forward to meeting you along the way in our next episode of The Journey's Gift. Same place, same time, wherever you are and whenever you listen. What are you seeing out there that needs to be done? In what ways are you being called to make a difference in the world? Whatever that is, may we respond with contemplation and action. May all we do be done through the lens of wisdom, justice, and compassion. And remember, wherever you journey, wherever you go, build community. Be like a piazza. Open, hospitable, engaged in the world. 